This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. I can't believe it's February. We are in the second month of the year, and I hope that you are making the most of it. I woke up this morning with big dreams of doing all the things, getting all these work things checked off, and somehow I also thought I was going to like clean a bunch of rooms in my house and organize things, and look, it's like 3.30, and I'm recording an intro for the next day, so I don't know. The day gets away from you. I always think it's funny in the morning. I feel rejuvenated most mornings and excited like I'm gonna make this for dinner I'm gonna do this I'm gonna get this organized and then all of a sudden it's 4 p.m. and I'm like what happened today is episode 69 and my guest is Esther Getz Esther is the mother of three grown children she runs the Instagram page moms of bigs and she will speak to your soul over on that page giving our big kids the roots of unconditional love and the wings of freedom to be completely themselves. She comes to you with help, humor, and hope. And man, you know I love talking to a mom who has been there, done that. And so we get lots of great advice from Esther in this episode. I love this that she posted recently. At the end of every season of motherhood, remember this, you're not closing the book, you're just turning the page. There are lots of chapters left to enjoy. If you know me, you know that I totally dwell on like time passing by way too quickly and trying to be right here in this moment. And when I read things like that, it really makes me remember that I need to look forward to what's to come and not dwell on what has already passed. Easy to do that, right? This is a great episode. Esther's doing some really cool things. She's got a new podcast coming out soon. Uh, So find her on Instagram, Moms of Bigs. And then her new podcast that's coming out, it's called Deconstructing Mamas. And go to her Instagram page to learn all about it because she's doing some really cool work over in that space. And if you enjoy talking about faith and evolving faith and deconstructing your faith and things like that, Um, and tying that all into your parenting and motherhood, you're going to want to check out what she's doing over there. It is really cool. Um, Hey, we're going to do a book club in this podcast. I have tried to do book clubs in the past and failed before, but hey, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep trying. So for the month of February, the book we're reading is How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Over-Parenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success. This book is written by Julie Lithcott-Hames. I just started it, and Julie's going to be on the podcast in March. But if you want to pick it up and read along with me, uh, go see if you can find it at your local bookstore, your library, grab it on Amazon, whatever you want to do. And uh, I'm just getting started. We are trying to figure out where we're going to host discussions about these books. I have a Facebook group with this podcast. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And that is where I'm going to start off. But if It's looking like people really want to get involved in these conversations a little bit more. We might take it to Patreon. We might take it to Zoom. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but we would love to have you read along with us and learn and grow with us. So I think what I'm going to do is every other month, a parenting book and then the off month. So for the month of March, we'll read a more laid back, fun, lose yourself in the book kind of book. Uh, I I hope this is going to work. I love reading and I love sharing what I'm reading with friends. And I think it'll be really fun to do this together. So if it's a goal of yours to read more books, let me encourage you to join us and do this with us. All right, friends, if you are loving this show, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Let people who are searching out podcasts for parents know what you think of this show. Um, I think the ratings and reviews on Spotify is a new thing. So make sure you leave us one over there as well. So we can show up in the search feeds of people. Do I know what I'm talking about? Algorithms? I don't know. I just know that I hear that ratings and reviews are important and I read all of them. And I thank you all so much for leaving them. 
Um, and if you want to support this show, one of the best ways you can do that is just share it with your group of friends, share it with your, your neighbors, other people who are walking through motherhood, fatherhood, grandparenthood, whatever it is. Um, just organically sharing that when there's an episode that you think might speak to someone you know, that is a huge way to help us grow this show. Um, all right. I hope you find some useful information in this podcast with Esther. I know I did. I felt a real deep connection with her and she's just a really special person. So enjoy the conversation with Esther. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Esther Getz on the show. Welcome to the show, Esther. Oh, thanks so much, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. Listen, friends, Esther and I just became best friends pre-recording. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, it was really great to have a conversation with you and get to know you. I do feel like we're BFFs now, sister hearts, right? We're reading all the same books, like too good, too good. Okay, um, Esther, you have the Instagram handle moms of bigs and it has like entirely blown up and I was just sifting through there today and I'm like yes 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 and I want to just start this conversation with something that I already read to you once I'm going to read it to you again um one of the hardest and best things we can do as moms is forgive an earlier version of us we're going to expand on that, but I want everybody to just think about that as we enter this conversation. Esther, will you introduce uh, your family and what you do to the audience? Sure. I'm Esther Getz. I have been married for a really long time to uh, one guy. He's great. Um, we're the opposites. Uh, so uh, we have uh, some issues, <laughs> but we've made it through. And uh, so... Uh, I wouldn't want to live with anybody else. And then I have four grownish kids. I mean, people are launching. I always say no one's really fully grown till they're 25 because I think the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. So I have a couple over 25 and a couple under 25. And um, they are as different as they could possibly be. I have one who's a teacher. And I have one who's a salesman, I have one who's like a computer nerd, and then I have one who's a musician and actually an audio engineer. And so she actually does this kind of fun stuff for Warner Brothers for a living, but they couldn't be four different people, but they've been great. Now looking back, talk to us about like how you raised kids who were so different from one another. I think oftentimes we get used to our first child and then the second child comes along or the third however many kids you have and you're like whoa this is so different I don't know how to enter this situation I oftentimes say two of our kids are way rowdier than the other two for in different ways I'm often like man if we just had Lewis and Sandy that's our two and four it would be really calm around here right um, so I'm just curious looking back now how did you navigate that with the kids being so different? Well, and I think that goes to, I have this little tagline on my mom's of bigs and it says the roots of unconditional love and the wings of freedom to be completely themselves. So, and that is, uh, I, I was telling you in our pre-interview, we went and we've asked our kids what were the big three that uh, they took away from us as their mom and dad. And they had all kinds of different things, but all three, all four of them, sorry, I have four kids, <laughs> <laughs> said the exact same one. And the word was respect. Mm. And we were very surprised. I was kind of surprised, but not overly surprised. I don't think I hammered respect um, into them. We just probably treated them with respect and we expected respect, but it went, was a two-way street. Mm. And the biggest thing we respected was who they were as individuals. I know there's all this talk like, and that's, it's a little outdated now of like raising mini me's. I, I get that kind of triggers me quite a bit because my goal is not to raise a mini me. My goal is to raise people who are completely themselves. Like I just wanted them to be who they were designed to be and created to be. And they're in the best version of that. So that helps in, to do that with the word respect, I think respect is key in our kids being completely themselves. So we just sort of went with it. 
with whatever they loved and whatever they didn't like, and they tried different things. And we um, sort of, I also have this other mantra to, to love what they love. And that doesn't mean like what they love, but put your time and your energy and your efforts and your money and your mouth and all those into the things that make their hearts come alive. So that's, that's, and that's kind of our goal is to find out what makes our kids' hearts come alive and pursue that with them. So, and that's just good. And they do that back to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they do that back to us. Like my husband and I are very different from our four kids. And so they get excited about the things. We just had the holidays, right? And the goal is like, hey, my kids were trying to find different things that would, one of them bought me a microphone for my new podcast, you know, like the things that are making my heart come alive. So we do it back and forth. I love that. Yeah. I know. I, I sometimes I have to say to my kids, I'm like, hey, mom has hobbies too. Mom <laughs> or or even mom needs to eat too. <laughs> like I'm constantly telling my kids, hey, I'm a human too. And I love what you're saying about respect because I think we are in 2022 deconstructing like how our parents raised us way more than any generation ever has before so you oftentimes hear like you know the parents are like you respect me like what who do you think you are to talk to me like that and so oftentimes what I say to my kids and I don't even know if this is the right thing to say but I'll say like when they're disrespecting me I say hey I respect you I expect you to respect me you know and I think that that two-way street might have been like a lost thing in decades past. It was like the kids respect the adults and that's how it was, right? Right. And that is something that I just think is awful, to be honest. <laughs> I I believe that we respect people no matter what age, what stage, their, their lot in life. And so if you learn that from little, my dad taught me this. I, I um, one time I watched my daughter get down on the floor. She was a teenager. She was working in a uh, in a church setting with children. And she got down on the floor to talk to them at their eye level. And I looked at her and, I, and she got back up and I said, where did you learn that? And she said, oh, mom, you always do that. Whenever you're with a child, you always crouch down mm. and you get at their level. And I said to her, I learned that from my dad. My dad was always on the floor with us and he was always on the floor with my kids. And so just his general respect of children passed that down to me and then I passed that down to my kids. And and it's just the way it worked out. Like it just is a wonderful modeling, you know, generation. We talk about the things we don't want to do the same and there are a lot of those. But that's something I did take away from my own father who is now, you know, a a much older man, but he must have learned that somewhere or just had it inside of him. So it's just cool. I mean, just something as simple as that. Yeah, that connection that they feel when you're eye to eye. When you're eye to eye and you're not towering above. So you don't, you're not this big authoritarian figure. You're just another human being who wants to connect with them. Let me ask you a question about that though, because there is a piece there that like the kid does need to know mom mom's in charge my job is to keep you safe like so the and the kid does need to respect you and i've you know i've interviewed all these positive parenting coaches and kind of gone down that road a little bit but i also it's like one of the positive parenting coaches i've interviewed she, wendy snyder she says firm and kind that's what it is you're firm and kind to your kids mm-hmm. sometimes when i'm firm and kind though i feel like they um are still crossing over boundaries you know what i mean and so i really struggle with that because i try so hard to do it and then sometimes i just snap oh yeah you know we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna snap I mean, that's just part of being human, right? When people just continue to cross our boundaries over and over and over again, and we're trying to make those boundaries firm and they cross them, it is going to, we're going to get angry. And that's an appropriate, I think that's an appropriate response. The same way as when we cross our kids' boundaries, they get angry, Mm. you know, and they, and that's an appropriate response. And that's something I think, you know, and talking in the moms of big space, a lot, one of the terms I don't like is about my kids being rebellious or disrespectful. I'm like, 
actually, they might, you just may have crossed a boundary for them that they're uncomfortable with and they don't have the tools necessary yet to do that properly. Because mm-hmm. look at us moms. I don't have the tools necessary. I don't even have the tools, even though I'm working on it really hard. Uh, my daughter, who's the teacher, she calls it being an ice cold Mother Teresa. I love that. <laughs> and so, yes, firm and kind, right? And I think the big difference there in the way even that she teaches her second graders and say we would parent is that you can hold your boundaries really firm um, and at the same time be, con- be be kind to them. But how you do this, and this is what, what I think you're getting at without flipping out. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the best the best key to it is that the child knows that they're unconditionally loved mm-hmm. so that their behavior doesn't necessarily change your behavior. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it will. And that's part of being human. And that goes into the quote you had at the beginning. We are constantly having to forgive an earlier version of ourselves, even if that version was this morning or yesterday and or five years ago or 10 so I, 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 I think about that a lot in the way that I would say to my kids, you know, I still love you. I actually still like you. And that's never going to change. But this behavior is not allowed in this house. And they're still going to do it. And we're going to react differently, about poorly. And then they're going to learn also how to have mistakes, how to have conflict, and how to bring that, and then how to have a resolution right? As two humans. And then you say you're sorry, they say they're sorry, hopefully, or they may not, depending on their age and stage and where they are in that minute. Yeah, I think that, and that's something we talk about a lot more these days too, is like mom and dad apologizing if they like went off the rails. And I do that often. I apologize often. And I love that connection when I do that, especially to my oldest, he's nine, because he sees it in my eyes and he knows. He's like, oh, yeah, I mess up too. And right. it's, it, just, it just brings me to a more human level to him rather mm-hmm. than like the big bad mom, you know. And it's like I don't ever remember my parents apologizing me, to me for things like that. But it's, it's not to fault them for not teaching me that. They just, they, you don't know what you don't know. Oh, right. My mom always talks about this because she was really young when she had us. She was like 19 when she had my sister, 21 when she had me, 23 when she had my younger sister. And she always says like, you know, we were just like doing what we needed to do to to get by. They didn't have any money. They didn't have a lot of guidance. And there's a little bit of beautiful simplicity in that though, right? Like it's just like human instinct. I was just doing what my human instincts, but I'm trying to balance like that human instinct with using all these wonderful resources that are available now and just kind of like combining that because sometimes the resources can feel overwhelming, but if we can like do what feels right for our family by combining those two things, I think that that's what the best formula really is. Right. And on a really weirdly practical note, one thing that I definitely did um, with my kids and I would do again, there's a lot I would not do again, as I like we talked about the word deconstruct or rethinking my parenting and then maybe rebuilding uh, those relationships now. But one thing I would do again was um, because I knew that whether or not I had had a good night's sleep or and that still happens today with them, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how old everybody is. If you've had food, what is it? The halt, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're going to respond in kind. <laughs> Remember that. Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> right? So uh, that's halt, H-A-L-T. That I always ask myself that when I'm flipping out. I'm like, oh, what? what is that? H-A-L-T. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? And then I can maybe say to the people that are in my life, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I apologize or whatever. But one of the very practical things we did was we sort of, I called it the Getz family law. This is kind of weird. It was kind of printed. We worked through it together. I think one uh, between the weird time between Christmas and New Year's when no one knows what's going on, um, we sat down and 
we said to them, hey, like these are the things that we don't really want in our home. We don't. W- these are like our our tenets, <laughs> our sort of ten commandments or whatever. And one of them was probably respect. One of them was it's better to be kind than right. All these different things um, that I remember, and um, we wrote them down. And then we kind of came up with consequences when those things did not play out in the house. And they kind of came up with them too at the same time. So whenever anything happened in the house, we went to that piece of paper. We didn't go to what mood is mom in? And she just came Uh, down to the family room and there's toys everywhere and she has had it. And the kid just, you know, didn't do their homework, whatever, who cares, you know, whatever's happening. They didn't X, Y, Z. And so we would just go to that. Oh, you know what? For this quote unquote offense, this is the consequence. And so that it wasn't bigger. And then when it gets into like the teenage years, I read a book called Parenting Your Kids with Love and Logic. I don't know. There's a whole Love and Logic website now. And that really goes to like, hey, when boundaries are crossed, this is what you do. And like when our, um, I'll give you a, a big, a big thing. Before our kids were um, driving, uh, we had two things about driving. Um, we said that they had to um, put a certain amount of money away from whatever a week to build up their car and what to build up to purchase a car. I think this was when they were like 13 or 14. And we said we would match them dollar for dollar up to like a certain amount that we could afford so that when they reached an age, they could hopefully have enough for a car. So they had to put a certain amount uh, enough away. So that was like a positive thing. Hey, we'll match that. So as long as you're putting money in, we'll match it. So that was like just one of those things that we put in place. And it was just, it was true. I didn't, you know, say you have to work, you have to do this, you have to do that. It was just like whatever money you guys put in, there you go. And so different ones of them came and said, hey, can you put in this amount? Can you put in this amount? Can you put in that amount um, into my savings every week, whatever? Or they would hand me cash or whatever. But the other thing we had, and this goes to the negative side, was... um, we didn't really want them consuming alcohol in high school. And so we said to them, hey, if we catch you drinking the first time, and we live in the state of New Jersey, it's ridiculous. You don't get your license until you're 17 here. <laughs> it's so crazy. And But you can get your learner's permit at 16. Mm. And you can take driver's ed at 16. And then you can drive around with your parents for a year. Um, so we said, hey, if, we, if you drink... The first time, look, we're going to be putting a car, that's a 2,000 pound weapon into your hands when you're 17. You could harm people with that. It can be used for good or you could really harm. So if you, if we find out that you're drinking on the first strike, you're not getting your permit until you're 16 and a half. And then if we find it on the second strike, we're, you're not getting it until you're 17, which then in New Jersey, you don't, you have to have like eight or 10 weeks of a permit or something. And then we were like, and after that, if you get caught again, we're not paying for your car insurance. And so it was just a very, and they agreed to it. They thought it was great. And one out of the four of them didn't get their permit till they were 16 and a half. But it wasn't like, and the other ones might have hidden better. I don't quite sure, know. Sure, sure. But it just was an interesting thing because that was just a boundary. That yeah. was just boundary and it was laid out way ahead of time and other people could have whatever boundaries they want to make that was just our own personal thing with our kids and driving so that helped a lot for my own emotions not to come in to play it just helped it be like that ice cold mother Teresa. oh i'm sorry you did this oh wow that's too bad now this is what's gonna happen i love that idea of it because man You do the same thing on a different day of the week, a different time in my cycle, my menstrual cycle. I'm going (laughs) to react a completely different way. And I love the the hungry. And I I never thought about the lonely piece, which really speaks to me a lot right now because we recently moved and I've been pretty lonely over here because we don't know a ton of people. And um, Mm. I never thought of that being a big player in that game. Yeah. Well, support, right? When moms have Think about it. That's huge. When moms have support from other people, other moms, other friends, a church, a, you know, faith community, a, a, you know, a neighborhood, the bus stop, whatever, then we feel buoyed up. I mean, that's huge. Friendship is huge. <laughs> 
Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank Anna Luisa for supporting this episode of the podcast. I don't know if you've heard about Anna Luisa, but they have beautiful, affordable jewelry. They craft high quality pieces at affordable prices, and they're carbon neutral from their packaging to products. They really care about the planet. Their designs will make you feel unique, empowered, and elegant. Ever since I received this jewelry in the mail, I have been wearing the little hoops every single day. They're so simple, but they add a little bit of style and fun to casual or dressy outfits. The earrings that I have, well, I have two little hoops. One is the low medium hoop, and it's a little gold hoop. So pretty, elegant, and simple. And then I also have the low small hoop. I love them both for different reasons. The Hannah Marble Blue earrings are beautiful and fun and different. And then my other favorite item, I have worn this necklace every day since I got it. It is the Sam 14 karat gold sterling silver necklace. It is so cute, simple. It's just a gold necklace with two little circle hoops on the front. It's just like simple and elegant. I love it so much. I love that they're carbon neutral and that they are making sure that they are taking care of the planet while operating this business. You all can check out Ana Luisa and save up to 40% off when you go to shop.analuisa.com slash yelling. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Use the code yelling. That's shop.analuisa.com slash yelling and use the code yelling at checkout for up to 40% off your order. Great Valentine's Day gift as well. Send the link over to your significant other and let them know this is a great gift idea or you can gift it to someone yourself. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Esther. Okay, so I want to ask about the alcohol thing a little bit more because that's something I'm like, oh boy. I mean, that's something... Your kids? Oh, they're young. They're three, five, seven, and nine. Yeah. But I drank in high school. You know, I think I had my first alcoholic beverage when I was probably 15 or 16. I remember stealing beers from my dad's fridge in his garage, or like we'd go camping and we'd stuff Budweiser's into our pillowcases and run to our tent, you know? And so. But I also know how dangerous it is, you know, it's just so dangerous. And so um, I'm just curious, like, okay, you set those expectations and rules around the car, but like, how do you really walk through that? I mean, I can't imagine laying in bed at night wondering like, okay, I said the curfew was 12. I want to go to sleep, but my kids out like with their friends and, and they, you know, they should be like, I just had a conversation about this. Like they gain that freedom while they're still under our roof. So that mm-hmm. we are still that safe place to come home to. But like, I imagine I'm going to be like laying in bed, twiddling my thumbs until that door opens. Right. And we were not rigid on the drinking thing. I will say this. We, we were on the, we were rigid on the, we don't just go out and put ourselves in dangerous situations. I think where, um, we weren't overly rigid in our own home about it. Like I, I always joke that my, I was I parented my two older kids a little different than my two younger kids. And we all learned that. And that's just how it is in real life. Um, And so I remember when my 16 year old had a snow day and, uh, or it was, I guess it was a hurricane day because it was pretty warm and she was only 16 or 17 at the time. And so I made us a mimosa just to celebrate the day. And then we sent a picture of the two of us drinking a mimosa to my other three. (laughs) They were at college and they were like, what is going on here? (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't that there's like no alcohol because you want to have wisdom in that. It was really to, to help them understand that there's alcohol and driving like that is not okay. And alcohol and putting yourself in a dangerous situation is not okay. It was much more about safety than say the way I grew up where I grew up in a very conservative faith-based home and alcohol was wrong. Mm -hmm. That's, that to me is a little bit over the top. My husband loves beer. We have, you know, beer tastings at the holidays and they were allowed to participate in those as they were older. 
um, under our roof. But we were, it was more like we just tried to go at it from a wise perspective, but the driving thing, no. Yeah. You know, and it was just, we're going to try to connect these two dots. And we just did have to have long conversations about why we did put that in, you know, especially leading up to like, you know, this is, we're talking sophomore year, freshman, sophomore, junior year. Those are, those are tough times, you know, and you can, kids, kids can put themselves in a lot of dangerous situations. And that was just the boundary that we put in. And it was, and they're, and they drank. I mean, they, they did. And I know that they've, they've told me the stories now of this <laughs> yeah. round and that we didn't catch them. Um, but, but yeah, we just wanted to make sure that they were connecting the dots. It didn't work out perfectly. And yeah. Nothing works out perfectly, but we did, we did want them to know that if we like found, you know, they were sneaking alcohol, this or that. And yeah, did it get really messy? One here, crazy story. I yeah. was a crazy mom story. Yes. Crazy. I was out of my mind. This is something <laughs> I would not repeat, but it's really funny. And we actually talked about it over Christmas when my youngest got caught. Well, I picked her up from a party and she, I knew she had been drinking and uh, she was like 15 or 16. And I said to her, have you been drinking? And she just lied to me. And I was like, stop lying. We know you've been drinking. This is ridiculous. You don't have to lie, you know, whatever. And um, she tended to be, we called her Sneaky Pete since she was little. So that's just who she is and she's still <laughs> kind of fun um and I drove to the Walmart with her to get a breathalyzer <laughs> at midnight and she freaked out in the car and I said well, okay well we don't have to get a breathalyzer then and then she was like I didn't drink I didn't drink and so then I brought her into the Walmart like midnight we walked around we couldn't find a breathalyzer so I got in my car I drove back to our town and I drove around till I found a police officer <laughs> uh, to breathalyze her I was crazy this is one of those times where this I probably was so hungry lonely, angry and tired and I pulled over to the policeman and I said I think my daughter's been drinking could you please breathalyze her and he was like ma'am go home <laughs> It was like, take child and go home. And I was like, oh, I'm a little crazy, right? And he was like, yeah. That is so <laughs> like funny. Funny story that I would not do again. No. But shows how, you know, fear can just make you nuts. Yeah. I was so like mad. I was afraid. I was like, what's going on? What did she do? You know, so just nuts. So we went right back. She went home. She threw up. She cleaned it up. The <laughs> And then the next day I said to her, I'm sorry, honey, you're not getting your permit until you're 16 and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, and I went, I, I went back to what we should have done in the first, in the first place. <laughs> oh, that is so good though. And think about, I mean, think about that story that you, you guys get to laugh about now for the rest oh, of your life. It's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we all have those moments of, I mean, the mom fails, it's some, it's the best mom fail. I, it's my favorite. That's so. really, really good. You know, it just got me thinking about, um, you know, it's like that all or nothing mentality. And it's, you know, if you grew up in the church, it's like the abstinence only talk with sex. It's like, how do we communicate to our kids like healthy boundaries with things like sex and alcohol? And gosh, it's just really hard. Right. I love that, though. I think that we need to replace that black and white thinking yeah. with, like, uh, with, and I know one of the authors we talked about uh, really goes to this with the both and thinking. Like, mm -hmm. it's not either or; it's really both and. And and there, um, there are things that can be dangerous, and they can be what wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. Alcohol is one of those. We we use it to celebrate, then we use it to medicate, mm -hmm. and it's crossed a line, and then we can become addicted to it. And it's crossed a very different line, right? So just even asking those questions. And one of the things I always said to my kids was, one of the best questions you can always ask yourself about everything is, are you the boss of it or is it the boss of you? Oh, that's good. And so that just happens in life is, is it the boss of you? Is is um, is alcohol the boss of you? Uh, is people pleasing the boss of you? Is your friend's opinion the boss of you? Or are you the boss of it? Right. I mean, that goes for everything in our whole life. But that helped them then to always just like sort of ask a question, turn to curiosity. What's going on with me is is sports is my desire to make varsity as a freshman 
dictating the fact that I'm, you know, losing weight, running every day, a million miles, like not staying healthy. I know I have friends, sons who are wrestlers. They really struggle. Man, that wrestling man with the weight cuts, that's crazy. Right. And so is it the boss? Is it your servant? Is this something fun? Are you the boss of it? Or is it the boss of you? That just, that kind of covers a lot of territory. And that's just a boundary making. Where are the boundaries being crossed? And so if you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation with alcohol, it's probably become the boss of you then. Wow. Now you have, do you have two boys and two girls? I do. Do you? No, I have all boys. You have all boys. (laughs) Fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's rowdy and fun. I'm curious though, um, with things like alcohol in your kids, like, did you find yourself communicating differently to the girls than to the boys? Because you know, alcohol, and we're just using alcohol as an example, is dangerous when you're behind a wheel and things like that. But when you put yourself in social situations with alcohol and intimate situations with alcohol, that conversation becomes a little bit different. Yeah, I think I did approach it differently with them. Um, and I still, we still do. We still are talking about all that stuff. Um, but I I think that for the boys, and you have all boys, I was very nervous that they would drink alcohol and then do something that they would regret yeah. and be accused of something, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's something we have to fear. Right. And it it was, so we just warned them. um, It's not a bad idea. This was a strange thing. I also did uh, that I don't regret was um, when, when, when my older son turned 18, he was the push the envelope kid and he had really bad ADHD and he just tended to push the envelope a lot. Um, He's the one that's the salesman and he's killing it (laughs) because of Of course. So that's the good news on that front was hard to raise a salesman uh, <laughs> so I when he turned 18 we knew that the stakes went really high and he we had held him out he was only a, he was a senior when he was 18 so we just had a policeman come to our house and sit and have a conversation with him about what happens now that you're 18 just all the different laws um, that change now, like if you got in a fight at school, whatever it was, if you drink and drive, if you drink, uh, like where you drink, how you drink, what you drink, what you're doing if you're driving, like just the ways the law plays out because you're now an adult. And it was in an environment where he wasn't caught by the police or doing anything like that. It was just a friendly conversation with a policeman. And then it was just information. We handed it to him. And then we said, and he said to him, your mommy's not going to be able to bail you out Mm -hmm. anymore. Like when you're 17, we just send the kid home with the parents. At 18, you spend the night in jail. It's just the way it is. And he just sort of explained different fines for different things. (laughs) And that, that worked out really, really well. And I think he did talk to him. We talked to him about sexual consent and all of that with the policeman. So that was very, very helpful. And I think that's just information you need to give your kids. And it's not going to mean they're going to make perfect choices on that front. And that's what I did with my boys on my, on the girlfriend. It was easy for me because I'm a female Sure, and talk to them a lot about not ever being by yourself at a party, not your glass, watching your glass, making sure it's all your own decisions about what you're doing. And, um, you know, this is very controversial, but Yes, when alcohol is involved, I I get a little bit more confused on where consent lines are drawn and not totally. drawn. Because, um, as we know, the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we're 25, and alcohol goes straight to the to that part of the brain, and uh, that's decision making. The normal decisions you would make as a sober person, you're not making. I mean, that's for adults too. So totally. That's just one one thing. So we did talk to our girls. I was like, hey, I don't ever walk alone. I don't do that. Um, I'm a grown woman, but I don't walk alone at night. I mean, I walk alone if I'm during the day and it's a safe neighborhood. But these are just sort of the things that you're you're going to need to know. And we talked a lot about buddy systems and stuff like that. Gosh, it's so hard. I think back to like college and even high school. And I'm like, how did we make it out alive? Oh, me too. Me I mean, too. truly. And so then that's then, and you don't want to parent based on fear, but it's like, well, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give them the freedom and like, they're going to mess up. 
Yes. And that is, I think that's one of the things I learned as a, um, I learned in the whole respecting our kids was that I learned to own my own fears in front of them. Like just take something like curfew. I, uh, I remember saying to them, Hey, you guys have a 12 o'clock curfew, not because I'm trying to control you, but because I'm afraid and I'm a human in this house and I need to get sleep. Yeah. And so this is just one of those things that is just part of being in a house. It's just part of being, it's just part of being in a family as we respect each other and we respect the different things that are hard for each other. And I said, it's just where I am now. Maybe that'll change by the time your sister's, you know, 18, maybe I'll be like, no, curfew. <laughs> and, and it really helped them. I think that's really smart. It really helped them to know that it wasn't, that I recognized and I had, I had like some self-awareness as to what was going on that I was just really afraid and that I, that sometimes that looked probably like I was controlling them and that I was really working on that. Yeah. And I was really working and I worked with a counselor at times about this, you know, Hey, what, where did, where did freedom and responsibility, how does that play out? And it's, and that's why I don't love the black and white rules because every situation is different. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. Yeah, I hope that I can take that with me into those years. Like, hey, like normally your curfew is 12, but like maybe this day is an exception or something like that. But I I can really picture, like I was saying earlier, like looking into my son's eyes saying like, I'm sorry. If we can really communicate where we're coming from, yeah, the teenagers are kind of going to blow you off sometimes, I'm sure. But like some of that will get through to them, I hope. I mean, I had a great, my teen, teenagers were my favorite. That's why I'm not the mom of bigs. Teenage years and the, the 17 to 25 has been my hardest. I still have people in that, in that time frame. Yeah. Has been, has been hardest, especially when they, they, they're 18 and like, you don't have, like you all suddenly have zero control. I mean, according to the law, according to lots of things. And so, but there's a long, slow process to that. And so my youngest one has benefited from from what I've learned from my oldest, even in those years. But teenage years, busy and really difficult, but wonderful because they're like, they can communicate with you. You can start developing some kind of a friendship with them. They understand things like respect and they... And in the environments our kids grew up in, and your kids are even growing up in even better, they understand emotional awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, all that stuff is so much better now than it used to be. It really is. So, so they they get it. They get it. You know, like they, they're starting to understand that, oh, mom can be afraid and she's not a freak. Yeah. I'm afraid. You know? Mom, it doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, all right. We're human too. And yeah, I, I loved, I love, yeah, I love. I, I love that space. I love this space. It's difficult, but I love it. Is your youngest 17? No, no, no. She's no. 20. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like, you're, you are, everybody's out. Everybody's out. Oh, right. Yeah. She's the one in LA. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. She graduated college at 19. She went four. she did a four year program in two years. She did. Wow. A, a, and she's the one in LA. Yeah. And she, she moved out there when she was 19. Just crazy. So she, she should be in college or just a recent college grad, I guess. And she's just, she's been on her own. Talk about giving up control, having, driving your 19 year old across the country to live in an apartment alone and no college, no, nothing around to, but that was my goal to let her pursue what her heart loves. And so that, that holds, that's a overarching goal. So that holds my fear, like love wins over fear. Hey everybody, a break here to thank a sponsor, which is Gooder. If you're looking for a great pair of sunglasses that you can wear while you're on the go, they don't slip around. You can take them out for runs, climbs, bike rides, whatever thing you're doing that's active. Or if you just want to look glamorous going out to brunch, they've got some really cute shades for that as well. Gooder has functional, affordable, and fashionable sunglasses. If you're looking to just sass it up a little bit and have some fun with your sunglasses, definitely check out the runway style shades. They have so many fun colors and they're super cool. I have the breakfast run to Tiffany's. They're black and they have some gold on the sides. I love them so much, but they've got awesome colors, pink, red, animal print. They call that vegan friendly couture. 
That's the what they call that one. Um, and then for a classic look, I love the aviator shades. I have some of the aviator shades. And then they also have really fun colors in their basic style that is just super fun. I always say if I'm going to do something adventurous or fun, like, or if I'm going to go run a marathon or do something exciting or maybe something that's challenging, I want to wear some sunglasses that have a little like flavor to them, a little pop and Gooder is where you're going to find that at an affordable price. Uh, go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another one five. That's another one five. And that will save you 15% off your order. Grab a couple pairs while you're in there. That's gooder.com slash another and use the code another five for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Esther. But talk about the joy. I always, like, I'm 38 and I think back to those early 20 years and I'm like, wow, what like freedom we had and just like the sky is the limit. We could do anything. And we can say that now too at the ages that we are, but just like that fresh slate. So talk about how that feels as the mom seeing your kids like get to start. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I think um, it has been really exciting. That's also been in fits and starts because I have four different, very four very different kids. Um, one got married super young, and so she kind of went right from college into marriage, and that was rough um, mm. at the beginning because she didn't really ever get that sort of like freedom. But that's just who what she wanted to do, and we we were excited for her, and we we allowed her to pursue that dream. I kind of was like, Oh, and then our second son, like he has the one with ADHD. It took him longer to go through college. And then he, you know, was trying to start a business and it failed. So again, you're seeing joy. And now we can't believe it. We have so much PTSD from that kid. (laughs) I mean, we do. He jokes about it. He called himself the fire and me, the fire woman. So that's just how it was. Um, always just trying to put out his fires and then learn, help him to learn how to put out his own fires, which we're still working on. Um, but to see him blossom now he's older, he's above the 25 year old range. So it's just like, now I'm just seeing so much joy because some kid and those of you who are in the trenches where you have that one kid, that's just, you just, I don't know how many kids people need to have. I think if you have one, it's one. If you have two, it's one. If I don't know if people have two or three, but there's one that just really tugs at your heartstrings and your anger strings and all that. And you're just more worried about them. I always say there's great hope, but in the middle of it, yeah, my story isn't your story. And you still are in that place of like, is this kid going to be okay? I am experiencing that joy now, but then there's then there's always heartache mixed around and mixed in there because you have who they going to marry, who loves them, who doesn't. I had one that broke their girlfriend broke up with them after seven and a half years. Oh, gosh. I mean, they were going to get married and now she's in love with somebody else. And I and he is a loyal kid who was going to marry her. So just like, huh. You know, and then you have something like COVID that comes in that goes, okay, screech on it all. So there's always, I think like the good and the bad of parenting, I think that's like the best way for me to hold it well, is if I'm just constantly thinking about the joy, then that just messes me up. But if I kind of think about the heartache and the hope and the joy and the sadness and all the emotions like we've taught our kids or we're teaching our kids, all of it makes a super full life. That's kind of what I want for me as a mom. I have a, I've had a super full, I can't look back and say, man, it wasn't full. I can't look now and say, wow, it wasn't full. Cause we had the gamut. We had the fights and we had the forgiveness, right? We had the mess ups and we had the redemption. We, we had the, oh my gosh, you made varsity as a sophomore and oh my gosh, you just got cut mm. as a senior. You know, like we've had, we've had breakups and we've had people marry their, you know, their sweetheart. So it just, it's so interesting. So I always say, if you're a parent, just say, is my life full of all of it? Mm. That's what it's about. Yeah. Do you miss it? I mean, it. I, I don't. The younger years, 
that's hard because I feel like it's still so full. Mm -hmm. I have such great relationships with my kids, each one of them. I really pursued that like to no end. And I, I have such great relationships. I'm in a book group with two of my daughters and my two, my two, my two daughters were in a book club together doing kind of off the wall books and (laughs) they want to be in it with me. And there's some young people in there and there's some like older people and they want to be in it and they want to be with me. So I don't care. I mean, I, I get so full and that's my biggest thing is do my kids want to be with me? Yeah. And they do. And so like one of them still lives here. And so uh, I'm tired of making food. That's just what <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tired of making food. So I'm just tired of that. I don't miss that. I don't miss making lunches. I don't miss making food. I don't miss the fighting, mm. constant fighting. Um, my kids love being together and love each other a lot. And they are so different. They don't see each other tons because they're so far apart. But they want to be together. And I didn't know that they have friendships like kind of off the cuff now. Like they all text each other and I don't even know that they're doing that. That's so good. Yeah. I love that you say I don't miss the lunches. I don't miss the fights because oh I feel like I'm oftentimes kind of ridiculously in this like morning stage for when my kids are out of the house and they're not even near being out of the house. And I love the fact that I can be like, yeah, maybe I won't miss making lunches and I definitely won't miss hearing them like fight over stupid stuff, you know? That's kind of like a relief to hear, like, and owning all of the feelings that come with it, owning, owning the hard and the joy and like it just being this one big, I'm picturing like this rubber band ball with like just piling on the rubber bands, right? With all the different things that make that full plate. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And like, there are hard parts about it now. And then there are really great parts about it now. Yeah. Right. Great parts. Like just like we had them all. They were all home for the holidays and um, and we try to do stuff like I'll give you my husband has a big birthday coming up this summer. And we said to them, hey, we're going to pay for the place, but everybody has to get their own ticket, their plane ticket. And all of them have marked off the week. Nobody said we don't want to come. Like, I I don't know what to say. Like, I, I. like that just makes me so grateful and thankful. And it's not because I did it all right, for sure. It certainly is not. It's because I think it was just a beautifully messy journey. And what we, what I did fight for, that overarching thing of them being, them knowing that they're unconditionally loved and then them having the freedom to be themselves. I, like I, I just, those are just, that was just like my mission as a young mom and, and it just was this overarching, like I, I should have had it like in a big banner across because when they are completely themselves and you get to be completely yourself, then you give each other the gifts of yourself. Like I don't have to try to change them and they don't, they're not trying to change me or my husband. We just embrace like our, you know, the fullness of who we are. And that's the good and pet, the beautiful and messy parts of it all. Yeah. Get rid of what you thought your kid might be because it's not going to be that. No, it's just not. No. I mean, or your, yeah. And your expectations, it just, it's so much better when they can be themselves. It's so much better. Um, okay. Last little piece here. We, we could talk forever, but, um, I loved this post as well. Your kid's lack of planning on their part does not have to become your emergency on your part. How many moms like have stepped in and like finished the science project? I remember being at a friend's house and the mom was like on the floor, like gluing things and, and making these bubble letters. And I'm thinking my mom never did stuff like that. And I'm thinking, I don't even think my mom knows I have a science project right now, (laughs) you know? So, um, let's just talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. I mean that, that I had to go to counseling that seriously, I had to go to counseling to learn boundaries about that because I was like my kid's savior yeah constantly and you know that just thwarts them we all know it just totally thwarts them and so I started this little mantra in the house hey just because you think it's an urgency doesn't become my emergency just because it's urgent for you just because you forgot to do x doesn't become my emergency and that just setting that boundary out for them if you come to me at 11 o'clock at night we're not going to Walmart if if there's a obviously extenuating circumstances. If you have a varsity, you know, playoff game and whatever, and it goes into overtime and whatever. But for the most part, 
People need to take care of themselves and their stuff. Yeah. That is just how it is. You take care of yourself. You take care of your stuff. I'll never bother you. But if you're going to come to me to take care of you or take care of your stuff, and that changes. Obviously, your kids are little, but that changes. And man, the amount of poster board. I said the trick, though, is just going and buying like a huge amount of poster board ahead of time and putting it somewhere in your house so that you have it or whatever you need now. I don't know if kids are even using poster board anymore. I know. I wonder. I don't know. I'm going to have to, I, at this stage, I'd have to hide it because my kids would get into it and like make a mess of it. I, I need <laughs> anything I bought. Like we threw away all the crayons and markers because it just got the crayon on the wall and the couch oh, yeah. and all the things. It was just like, it's not worth it anymore. But then it's a bummer because on days when you're like, oh, you could color this. I'm like, no, literally, we literally threw away all the crowns and markers. <laughs> like, there are none. There are none in my house right now. Right now because it was just like it was one of those moments where I was like oh we're getting rid of all of them you know right. yeah no that it's just it's a long slow process of independence right yeah <laughs> um okay can you tell us quickly about uh the couple projects you have going on yeah so I have two in the mom space that's what I'll talk about here so I have my moms of bigs um which really is for parents whose kids are like 13 till they come off your health insurance which is sick 26 so that's what I say uh-huh It's really this space um, where I think it is like, how do we hold on and let go at the same time? When they're doing the come close mom, stay away mom stuff, that's when they're doing it and we're doing it in the same way, the push pull of the relationship. So that that is my space. I have an Instagram and a Facebook um, there. I also have a 50-day college mom journey. When your when your kid goes to college, I have a 50-day email journey that um, people can purchase. That I send you an email every morning, and it kind of walks you through the grief process of letting that kid go away to school. And it also gives you something to send them every day, like in a text, so Aww. that you can stay connected. So you're letting go and holding on. And so I have that. That that's that'll be advertised in my mom's of bigs. I'm also, um, we're also, I'm also creating a book with another mom's of big person named Shelby Spear. We're writing a book um, about how to navigate this space. That'll be coming out in um, hopefully in the summer, more likely the fall. So that's that. And then I have this other fun thing. It's a podcast that's coming out in March. I um, was in a faith community that was hyper conservative. I raised a couple of my kids in that, in a a faith system that was really, really conservative and um, probably not how I, and not how I really parented my older kids. So I, uh, along with a young mom, kind of who has kids, your kids ages, I have something called Deconstructing Mamas podcast. We're having our first episode air in on March 2nd. And we have an Instagram and Facebook page called Deconstructing Mamas. And we're just going to be looking at how we're rethinking our parenting and then rebuilding uh, rebuilding it. And sort of like how we were parented and maybe how we parented and then ways we want to sort of deconstruct from that and go into maybe how we want to reconstruct into a place of love and freedom. So, yeah. Is it Mamas M-A-M-A or M-O-M-M-A? M-A-M-A-S. Deconstructing mamas, yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on. So a lot of good stuff for people. Yeah, I am so excited about that podcast. I'm like, Esther and I talked about this offline a little bit, but um, I also grew up in an evangelical church and have really struggled with this topic myself and kind of deconstructing what I really believe and what's literal and what's not literal. And um, then my husband and I also talking about like, wanting to be involved in a faith community for our kids, but we're not right now. So man, so much, so much on that show that I am really excited about. Yeah, we have some really great guests. I'm really excited about it. And just people who have been down this journey before and, and how they're working it out. So. Okay, Esther, um, you might've just answered this question. These are end of podcast questions, but uh, what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, that's really fun. So I would like to personally go to Alaska on a, <laughs> that's with my kids. That's kind of a dream come true. So that would be a dream come true is be to go to Alaska. Love it. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I'm reading one now um, called by Barbara Brown Taylor mm. called um, Walking in the Darkness, I think, or How to Take a Walk in the Dark. That's really, really, really great. And I also um, read a book that I highly recommend um, called Inspired by Rachel Held Evans. Oh, 
Um, Searching for Sunday is the book of hers that I've read. Yes. Searching for Sunday. We listened to that on Audible, my husband and I. That was fantastic, especially if you're out there and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a faith community, but I don't know how to do this well. Is Inspired the book that came out after she passed? No, that's no. a wholehearted faith. Okay. That, okay. That I have. I got that for Christmas. So, yeah, yeah. I went to the bookstore our local bookstore here the other day for the first time. We've only been in where we live for like six months. And I bought an Anne Lamott book. And then I bought a David Sedaris book. And then I bought this other like fun or like a fiction, Saving Ruby King. That's the other one. Anyway. Oh, oh, have you read that one? No. Yeah, it's a great book. Okay. So I bought those three books and I was like staring at the Rachel Held Elvin's book. And I was like, Lindsay, you cannot buy a fourth book right now. Like you have got to utilize your freaking library. Like I, I'm all about supporting the local bookstore, supporting the author. But at some point, I need to check these books out at the library. Some of them. Yes. I, my husband's really good at that. I'm, I have like the stack of books. If you turn, if I turned in my office right now, you would see my stack of books. But one book I really want to read is Atlas of the Heart by Renee Brown. Okay. Okay. You know what? I have to say, I love her talks, but a couple of her books I've read and I have not been, everybody loves them. And I don't know if it's the writing that I don't, because I like her work and her talks, but the writing, I feel like I'm like reading in circles. So I'm like the outlier, I guess. No, you're fine. (laughs) I haven't, I, you're fine. I think, I think that's the beauty of art is that it connects with some people and doesn't connect with others. Yeah. That's why we, That's why I love when I'm a writer, I don't have to compete with anybody else. There's some people who are going to resonate and other people that are going to move along. And that's what works. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, yeah. I saw you do the Hope Writers. I, I did do Hope you Writers did. for a long time. Yeah. Did you I love ha- it? I did really like it. It really helped me at the beginning. I haven't been as involved in it recently. I've gotten much more involved in um, another community called Her View From Home. Okay, cool. Oh, Her View From Home. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, Okay, do you have a kid's book or like a teenage book or a book you recommend to your adult kids? Um, Yeah, so I, my kid's favorite book, um, my adult kid's favorite book is a book by, this is crazy, going to sound crazy, book by Bob Goff called Love Does. They all love that book because it's just about loving people and how to love people. and, And he's really funny and he's a college professor. So he knows how to reach like that generation. I just think it's really great. That's like all their favorite book. They've all, I think all of them have read it or at least three out of four of them. And then, um, a kid's book I would highly recommend for little kids, Rachel Held Evans book, um, that she put out called what is God like that is a fantastic book that came out, um, after she died, that is a fantastic book. And then of course the book, um, that I mentioned now, I haven't read it for a while, but I, it really helped me if you're in the teenage space, parenting your teens with love and logic. Okay. That was like, I like was kissing that book because it just (laughs) took all the emotion out of it. And in a highly emotional space called motherhood, it helped me to just get like some logic around what the heck I was doing. (laughs) So many good book recommendations. Y'all, if you are not signed up for our newsletter, make sure you sign up because we just deliver this to your inbox. You can email my assistant, production assistant, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com and she will just put you on our newsletter. Or you can go to our website, whatever is easier. But that, you want those those sent to you. I know you all do. So (laughs) I I signed up. Sign up. Um, Okay, two more questions. What is a trip or adventure that you've done with your family that you recommend? This is fun. We didn't think this would be the case, but Colorado Springs. Okay. Colorado Springs was the best family vacation we ever took with our kids, and they were 7, 9, 11, and 13 at the time. Oh, okay. So maybe maybe I need to put that on my list for like four or five years from now. I'm telling you. Hands down better over than Disney. Hands down. Hands down. You know what? I don't think that we're ever going to be a Disney family. Oh, good. I we just, went once, once and done and that was the end. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see, I just feel like it'll just feel like, I don't know. I know people love it, but I just feel like it'll feel not great for our family. We waited until they were six and eight and five. we waited till the youngest was six which that is was, good because no diapers no diapers, no, yeah. no teenagers that's what we did it when we did it once okay. no, diapers, no teenagers and it worked well 
but yeah, no. I get the one-time thing, though. I get I get wanting to do that. Maybe in two years we'll do it once. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Begrudgingly. Um, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? So it's the advice that was given to me when I was a young mom. And it is this, and I alluded to it a little, but it was um, no matter what, love who your kids love. And that includes friends, partners, whoever, and love what your kids love. Put your energy and time and your resources into the things, the people that your kids love and the, the things that make their heart come alive. I love it. Thank you so much, Esther. Sure. No problem. Thank you. Loved it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Esther, for sharing your wisdom and chatting with us on the show. Esther's Instagram is Moms of Bigs. Check it out. Check out her podcast that's coming up deconstructing mamas i think they're launching very soon but you can find them on instagram and connect there and and look for information on their launch date uh this podcast is on instagram why is everyone yelling don't forget we're reading a book together how to raise an adult by julie lithcott hames you can connect with me personally on instagram i'm lindsey hine 626 over there and we have a great Facebook group why is everyone yelling podcast we'd love to connect with you there Um, I hope you're all having a great day and just appreciate you so much taking the time to spend some of your day with us hope you found some of this helpful and uh, we will see you next week on why is everyone yelling